It's Rapino against Van Veenendaal. It's 1-0. The face of the tournament scores the first goal of the final. Lawrence. Teasing ball in. And at the far post, Canada get the equaliser through Christine Sinclair. And she scores at her fifth World Cup. Good ball that. Excellent header, 1-0. Fantastic header by Sam Kerr to put Australia in front. Free kick to Germany. Lingor takes it. Golden goal. Germany win the World Cup. Germany win the World Cup for the first time. A prayer, I suspect, from Kumagai. And the World Cup for Japan. They have rewritten the history books in Germany. It is off the podium and Olympics podcast and for the last time for four years a women's world cup podcast as we are here to bring to a close our coverage of the 2023 fifa women's world cup australia new zealand let's be honest mainly australia new zealand ended ages ago they can get over it uh, but we are here to talk about the tournament as a whole as well as the final the third place playoff and everything else to see if we've still got a grudge against tazuni because we're still grumpy a week on from that Speaking of grumpy, this man's never grumpy because he's Jared. Jared Lubick, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's good to be back. And also, never grumpy is a man who, again, he's just Colin. He doesn't have a last name anymore. It is simply Colin. Hello, Colin. Welcome back to the program. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe if Jared gets grumpy, I have an excuse too. And then Ben can be the happy one. I'm never the happy one. Let's be honest. I'm a, I'm a bitter old man. That's, that's who I am, particularly because Spain won the World Cup, everyone. Yay, Viva Espanol. Yay, England choked again in a World Cup. It was fantastic <laughs> to see. Pretty entertaining final. I enjoyed it. I'm going to start with you, Colin. Did you get up and watch it? It was, what, 5 a.m. for you to... Get up and watch the start of it. I saw Ethan Zon was up watching it at 6 a.m. in the U.S. Were you like Ethan, Jared? Uh, Colin, did you get up and watch it like yeah. Ethan? No, I mean, if it had been 6 a.m., it would have been a little bit easier for me. We'll uh, move to the East Coast. Don't be lazy. I'll just move to the East Coast. I'll just uh, I'll, I'll hop on a canoe and I'll start coming all the <laughs> way down to Sydney next time. Watch it live. Um, no, I mean, I basically, as soon as I woke up, I turned it on, which happened to me like literally right at the start of the second half. So I caught the second half and... Uh, I, I'm not going to say that uh, it looked like Spain had anything in jeopardy, but uh, there are a couple of moments there where I'm like, oh, England can tie this, they can tie this. Uh, they didn't, but uh, still, it, it's 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 close. One goal is better than two goals. If I would woken up and they had a two-goal lead, I probably would have gone back to sleep. Well, they probably should have had a two-goal lead with a penalty, but we can, uh, we can talk about that. Um, yeah, Spain dominated the game. England had a couple of flourishes, but... Um, you know, the the rightful winner on the night one. Jared, do you agree with that? Did you watch it? Did you watch Channel 7? Watch Bruce? I don't know. I haven't actually watched any of Channel 7. I don't know what Bruce has been doing for the last month, but uh, maybe touch on that in a minute. But did you watch the game? I did watch the game. I agree with you. It was very much... Um, there were some moments for England, but it felt very much never in doubt that Spain was kind of going to be the ones to, to walk away with the trophy there. It was just entertaining from Spain. I think that was the thing that, you know, we were at that England-Australia game and maybe that just as a reflection on how bad Australia played in that game because, you know, England dominated us in that game with the exception of a beautiful Sam Kerr goal, but this was the complete opposite. I mean, England just 
didn't really do much of it. They hit the post quite early uh, off sort of one chance, but then it was just Spain and they were just fun to watch. I think they just the way they passed the ball, ball and made chances was very, very entertaining. And they had a couple of missed chances. And then we obviously had a, a penalty that, uh, you know, unfortunately Spain couldn't quite get. That took about 20 minutes to decide whether or not that was a handball or not. I mean, I'm in the stadium and they don't show replays in the stadium. FIFA are like, no, you can't see things that we're deciding. We haven't been given enough money for that. So essentially there were people around me who had their phones out and watching the replays. And even then, like watching three rows back of somebody's phone, handball, clearly. Yet it took like 20 minutes to decide then. Um, so, you know, probably should have been two nothing but that kind of like spurred England on and then that sort of that, that was the one point of the final where I felt the crowd actually really got alive and all of a sudden everyone's there I'm like oh shit shit's about to get real right now we're about to go to extra time I mean Jared watching from your comfort of your home did you do you feel that vibe like I don't know what the stadium sound is like on the channel 7 coverage there was it was it coming through because in the stadium it really the atmosphere I don't say it was dead but it was sort of wasn't what you maybe would expect for a world cup final yeah, no, it definitely it definitely felt that way, and the commentators definitely picked up on that as well. Like they were very convinced that, like, here we go, this is going to spur England on. They're going to level here. They're going to. I think they were saying in their quarterfinal against Spain in the Euros, they were down one nil and yeah. they came back to win two one. So yeah, like they were like, this is very reminiscent. Like they're going to come back. Um, so yeah, you could definitely get that vibe at home as well. Yeah, just you could just feel it in that buzz, but it just didn't quite materialize, unfortunately, for them. Colin, what's your coverage in terms of that? Like, I mean, is that sort of coming through? I mean, do you have a Canadian sort of uh, fee, like commentators? Are you getting like an American, the Fox commentators through your coverage? No, we we had. Um, I I wasn't paying close enough attention to the commentary in the final to know who it was, but uh, during the Canadian games, we had Canadian ones. Um, during the Australian ones, we have Australian. So um, I guess whatever FIFA's main one was, it might have been British, it might have been Spanish in this one for all I know. Uh, uh, I, I I had the the volume pretty low as to not wake up my children because they're nightmares. Uh, and it didn't work because by the time there was about, uh, well, by the time they got to extra time, Casper was up and he was watching uh, videos of Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario or something like that. And then I was just watching on my phone in silence. Wow. But I will say one thing I will agree with is that I found from what I did hear the crowd, it wasn't nearly as rowdy as uh, I, I'd say the quarterfinals, semifinals, uh, maybe maybe even more so the quarterfinals was probably the, the most lively crowds we had. Well, I think, I mean, there is an excuse for that on some levels is, you know, similar to major championship games here in Australia. Generally, your final is filled with corporates. You know, I know like obviously the biggest sporting event in Australia each year is the AFL grand final, but famously for a hundred thousand crowd, only about 40,000 of those are fans. The rest are like corporates and and other, you know, people who have managed to get a ticket, similar to a Super Bowl. You know, a Super Bowl is is never a full reflection of the fan community. If you want that, you go to the divisional championship games in Australia, the preliminary finals. So, yeah, here, the semis, the quarters were, were much more rowdy. I mean, Jared, our semifinal we were at with Australia, that was obviously quite rowdy. But even sort of looking around the stands, like the Spanish fans were really in two sort of pockets sort of on the on the side of the pitch obviously it was a very much a pro England crowd but if there's been one disappointing thing for me this World Cup around the fans it has been the English fans because I think England and it's not even me having a dig it's legitimately an actual thing because like I think England I think these rowdy like chanting like fans Mm. like I've been to cricket matches it's called the Barmy Army like they're they're loud they sing they dance like they, they do that and you see it in like the men's world cup all the time or, or the premier league. Like they just, 
they bring atmosphere to games. And so that England-Denmark game that I went to, I was like, okay, this isn't what I was thinking of. I went to four England games. And really, like, they weren't that great. That rowdy, arrogant English guy in front of us, Jared, at the semifinals, maybe the, the most I got. There was an English woman sitting in front of me during the Australia-Denmark game. She was sort of excited that they had beat Nigeria on penalties and then kind of took off her England shirt and put an England one, the traitor. What is she? Who is she? Me? Um, but it was just, it just, it was weird to think that, that England fans who have that reputation weren't like that. I mean, Jared, you were at an England game. I mean, I, I mean, you experienced that too. Yeah, I agree with you. The the person kind of two rows in front was the very stereotypical, like cheering loudly, looking for a fight, like ready and free to, to uh, throw some fists at somebody. But um, generally, I suppose around the stadium, I mean, granted, it's not a fair reflection, like host country and, and England, um, but generally there wasn't really that vibe, I suppose, throughout the stadium. And I, and I get Did it. You, go, go, Colin. I was say, do you think that at this point there's this isn't again an insult in any way? Are there lowered expectations now? Like, you know, it's kind of like the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, when they make the playoffs, it's not quite as rowdy as when they made the playoffs. I don't know, ten years ago. Uh, now it's like, okay, we're gonna wait and see how close because I know they got to the final. That's still something big, but there definitely has been a little bit of lowered expectations. I feel like well, we're not we're not even compared to the men's World Cup, where it was almost an expectation. Oh, we have to bring this home. Now it's like, oh, we made it to the finals. There's a shot now. I, I think there there is maybe part of that, but I also like, and again, this is not disrespecting any form of the women's game, but obviously, again, you know, there's still growth in the women's game that maybe we don't have that level of fandom that they have in the men's game. There's not the traveling fans. There's not those sort of groups. You know, I, I, I talked to a couple of guys at work who have covered men's World Cups, and I'm like, so is this comparable? And they're kind of like, well, on a smaller level, yes, but if in a men's World Cup, this is what you would be seeing instead. And again, that's no detriment to the women's game. It's just we're still growing in terms of where we're at. So I also put it down to that. But I mean, I think, I mean, England, yeah, I think part of that is that with England, but I think there was much more expectation on the women than there ever would have been with the men. I mean, 2018, when the men made the semi final, that was a bit of a shock because four years prior, they had been eliminated in the group stage and no one really gave them a snowball's chance in hell in 2018, yet they were a goal away from making the, the final for the first time since 1966. So then last year was a bit of a shock that they got eliminated in the quarterfinals because then they had just lost the Euro final. So there was expectations with the women. They'd won the Euros last year. They went into this and, you know, there was high hopes. They they And Serena Wiegman, the, the coach, she had coached the Dutch to the, the final four years ago. So she's lost two finals in a row. Uh, so um, I love how the US yeah. are trying to like hire her. Go ahead, you'll lose the next final um, if you want to do that. Um, there, there, there's just a great moment there where Ben referred to them. It is we we're growing the women's game. <laughs> Did I? You are one with them now. I mean, you know, I'm the feminist of this podcast, so um, <laughs> clearly it's up to me. You know, uh, very uh, strong feminist voice on this show with three men talking about <laughs> women's football right now. Um, but yeah, like, look, and it's I, I, I think it, it was interesting, sort of seeing those those fan pockets that we had i mean the spanish fans were loud uh the, i mean the queen of spain was there last night did, did we know that spain had a royal family no cool i didn't either nope. the queen of spain was there last night ladies and gentlemen um and so was the princess of spain so was, was antonio banderas there i didn't see him um oh. you know rafa tweeted out though uh the king of spain you see the king of spain jared um <laughs> i saw him tweeting out fernando alonso didn't no the one spanish uh, guy that i know um, but yeah, I think like 
to me, the best atmosphere that I experienced all tournaments still was Germany, Colombia. And that's not even me being biased in Germany because it's mainly the Colombians who are the, the noisy ones. And I think a lot of people I've talked to have been to all the games in Sydney. That is the one that they say topped everything in terms of just uh, the, the atmosphere and everything on those lines. But it was still great to say, like, I, I, the, the show and the pomp and the pageantry, like, everything about it last night was, like, really interesting to see, like, they changed all the branding, like, you know, sort of the, all the signs were purple and gold, kind of regal. It all said the final, it giant trophy, like, posters up on the thing. I've, you know, spent way too much money on a final scarf and a final T-shirt. Um, and then even, like, in the stadium, you just, there was that vibe. And I think kind of just, like, the the way they bring out the the giant cape things on the on the the mat of the, the, the field, that's what I'm trying to say. And then like the presentations, which take like 30 minutes to get out there. Like FIFA's got to set up a very expensive stage. But it was just it was just interesting to experience that and just everything that came with it and just that pomp and pageantry. And for a one-goal game, we should mention Olga Carmona scored the goal in the 29th minute. Nice goal too, by the way. It was an entertaining goal to, to see. But um, I don't know. Like I just, I think it was, it was a perfect way to end the tournament. I think this has been an incredible tournament. I just watched a video before we came on air about heralding this as the best Women's World Cup of all time and how significant this is for the game moving forward. Record attendances broke Canada's record for, for highest attendance and highest average attendance too. Uh, Profit-wise, it broke even, um, which I, I, I think might be the first time that's ever happened in Women's World Cup history. Uh, 32 teams, all this, everything. Well, we've talked about this at length the last few weeks. But, Jared, I mean, now that it's over and we're kind of reflecting in all of this right now, I, I mean, even us willingly covering this and doing it with ease and getting excited for it. I think that it's so many aspects have left this world cup of just, again, as we've said, stop singling this out as a women's tournament. This is just another tournament now that people just get excited about. Doesn't matter what gender this is. It's just a great football tournament, great football, great spectacle that we've all enjoyed. And we look forward to the next one in four years. Yeah, I think it's exactly that. Like everybody just, even without the Matilda factor, I think everybody yeah. just liked having a sporting event to follow. Um, it was something that brought everybody together. Everybody had something to talk about. People who had never watched soccer before were tuning in. Um, so I think everybody is a bit um, deflated at the moment and kind of looking forward to kind of the next big sporting event. And Tom, before I get your thoughts on it, like I think this is why we cover this and then say – you know, not some of these other big World Cups that are this year and sort of a regional-based ones because, A, Colin wouldn't give a shit about these ones, and, B, I think outside of the Olympics, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, is the only other event like this that does bring the world together on this level, even if your country's not in it. Like, I grew up without mm-hmm. Australia. Jared, you and I grew up without Australia. Colin, you grew up without Canada ever making the, the World Cup in the men's, but you still watched it. You still got behind it. You still would choose a team, right? It's similar to the Olympics where... I think this is one of those years, say, for an Australian perspective, where we've got a Netball World Cup, a Rugby World Cup, and a Cricket World Cup, three big events for us. But in all fairness, they're not going to capture the nation the same way this World Cup did. I mean, Jared, I don't even know if you were aware that we've still got a Cricket and a Rugby World Cup to come in the next couple of months, which usually are big deals for our country. But I just don't see the attention. A, because the Wallabies suck in the Men's World uh, Rugby World Cup, so we're not going to do fucking well. And B, the Cricket World Cup. Well, there's 80 different versions of cricket now. I think we've all fallen out of love with cricket. Whereas, Colin, for you, I guess that would be on a on an ice hockey. I mean, you always have junior worlds, but they're like every year. Yeah. The women's, you, yeah. that's the difference with what you follow closely is ice hockey world championships are literally every year. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like it's, it is, Jared, I hit the nail on the head. It's something exciting 
you know, that we kind of have this global tournament. And this, to me, is the global tournament that we've had this year. Colin, sorry if I interrupted you. Are you about to jump in there? Yeah, I mean, I was going to make the same comparison. Like, the, the World Juniors here, I mean, it is an annual thing, but every year it is so big. Uh, it's something that everybody watches, everybody talks about. No matter where you go, people are mentioning it. That's what this kind of reached this time. And, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that it wasn't a big deal when we had the Women's World Cup, you know, uh, what, eight years ago now. Um, but at that point, it was still, it, it was a big deal. It was a big talking point, but it was still, oh, yeah, this the Women's World Cup. Uh, yeah, the, the, When you're seeing this on TV, when you're hearing people talk about it, you're still hearing them say Women's World Cup, but I mean, it's getting the same type of attention that the men did. And I think that's great because now this is simply, it's a World Cup year. We got the women and the men, and that, that's similar where we're at with the Olympics now, where you know, you're watching the men's finals in the 100 meter, and you're watching the women's finals in the 100 meters, and it's just simply different names. It's, it's not even necessarily a distinction of gender at yeah. this point. I'm not going to say that the Women's World Cup, the ratings and attendances are 100% at the level, but where they're at is like, so much further where it was four years ago, eight years ago. And and that's kind of shocking because I th- sort of thought back in 2015, well, I was like, well, this is the peak. Uh, is is the, the women's soccer game going to get bigger than it is here? Yeah, and I think one of, one of the great comparisons I saw on how much it's grown is the send-off game the Matildas had ahead of the 2019 World Cup in Australia against Argentina had 6,000 fans at that game in Melbourne. The send-off mm-hmm. game here in Australia before the World Cup here, had 50,000 people. Um, and that's a four-year growth. And you look at the Canadian team, Colin. I mean, I said I watched the, the Weekend mm. documentary. And I I remember I'd left Canada by the time, obviously I wasn't there for the Olympic gold, but I know that they did a sort of a celebration tour after that gold medal thing, which is still impacted heavily by COVID because I know it went back to Victoria and I know it travelled around, but that was sort of the first real chance that they had to play in front of crowds since their gold medal and just see the crowds and everything that kind of follow that and the attention and everything that sort of came with that. And, you know, just the little things that you heard around this tournament about, you know, something as simple as all the teams in this World Cup had the same travel arrangements, hotel arrangements, uh, training facilities and everything, finally, that the men do at a men's World Cup. And, you know, it's 2023. And they didn't even have that in Canada. They didn't even have that four years ago in France, you know, you think about that in today where we think everything is so equal and hunky-dory when it's not, that it's only taken to now. But you look at these attendances at everything and obviously it's it's now going to be harder to compare the men's and the women's World Cup given that the men's World Cup is expanding by 16 teams in four year, or in two years' time, um, three years' time, I could do my math. But like I think that the thing that like it's just, it's growing, it's growing that extent and we're seeing the countries now that are bidding now for 2027 that, you know, these are not just little countries that are just going to do it. Oh, it's just the Women's World Cup. You know, you're looking at the US and Mexico again because they have to have the big stadiums for it and things like that as well. So, yeah, it's been it's been massive and it's been such a success. And I think that it's just, it's going to continue to, to grow and grow. I actually had a fun interaction last night, Colin, with a couple of Canadians. I was, I was, I mean, the beauty of any final for any sporting event is that if you get tickets to it, you're going to wear your team's colours no matter if they're playing or not, right? Like, when I went to my one mm-hmm. AFL grand final, I wore my Colton Guernsey. I didn't give a shit. Like, we weren't ever going to make it, but I still wore it too. Luckily enough, at the NRL grand final, Cronulla made it, so I was able to wear Cronulla. But I've got tickets to the NRL grand final in a couple of weeks. Cronulla won't make it. Jared, I'm sure Penrith will be there, and I'll go for Penrith, but I'll probably still wear my Cronulla jersey because that's just what you do. So last night, you know, you saw Matilda's jerseys. There was plenty of people in, like, Team USA jerseys, the obligatory Columbia jerseys. 
Peru, everywhere you go in Australia, get over it. We eliminated you from the Men's World Cup last year. Seriously, <laughs> it's always somebody in a Peru jersey. But I was at the train station and there was these two women in Canada jerseys with like Canada scarves. And I just got talking to them and they were like, yep, we've, we've flown out from Canada. We've been here for the last three weeks. Uh, we've been traveling around. Uh, fortunately, Canada aren't here, but we're loving it. And then there was another couple who were in the stadium and they were wearing, well, someone was wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs hat. And I was wearing my Toronto Raptors hat. So I'm like, hey, go leave. And he's all like, hey, and he like fist bumped me. So like the, the fact that these people are, are traveling, they've traveled here for it. So there you go, Colin. You had Canadian representative last night in the stadium, at least a few of them. I personally sent them too. So I'm glad to hear that they found you. Uh, sadly, they didn't do what I told them to do, um, which <laughs> would have involved you coming, I don't know, <laughs> a cast today or wow. or just simply not being able to make the show and then Jared and I take over. But uh, you had a fun interaction. <laughs> something. I, I did also see somebody last night wearing a GWS Giants jumper, which, I mean, again, that's an AFL team, Colin. I just, I sometimes like, I, I get it. Like if you, if you're a, Colombian, and you're going to wear your Clark, a soccer jersey for a soccer stadium. I actually wore my uh, Toronto FC jersey last night because it was red and I'm like Spain. And then I bought this T-shirt, wore it over the top. So I get it, soccer v. soccer. But, like, what person wakes up and says, all right, yep, <sighs> Women's World Cup final day, what am I going to wear? Ah, oh, up the mighty GWS Giants. I'm going to wear that to, like, be like, you know, I mean, even just a Toronto Maple Leafs hat, it's a hat. You didn't come in a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Um, like, I don't know. I just, I question the logistics sometimes of people wearing that to, to certain events. Third place playoff though. Jared, do we care? Nah, whatever. <laughs> Not anymore. We cared at the time. Not anymore. Yeah. Three days ago, we cared. Nowadays, yeah, fourth will take it, right? I feel like we have never looked so bad on a soccer pitch. <laughs> it wasn't good, was it? <laughs> we gave up. We were just like, eh. Yeah. Our final was a quarterfinal a week ago in that stadium, I think. Um, I think after that match is when I kind of felt, oh, Spain actually might have this. I'm like, <laughs> if they beat Sweden, they might have this because Sweden looked so much better than England did against us. Yeah. It just was, there was no, there was no point in that game where it felt like we had any control. Like at least in the England game, there were moments. That game against Sweden, nothing. I feel both times, I, I feel very bad for both of you that I've gone into each third place game selling this as this entertaining game that, you know, is mm. fantastic. And both in the men's and the women's, it hasn't turned out to be a very good game. So I apologize. Usually it is because I'm I'm one of the few people who like the third place game. Everybody's all like, oh, this is shit. This is like kissing your sister. And as a Tasmanian, I'm like, what's wrong with that? But maybe that's why I like the third place playoff. I don't know. But um, Colin, did you catch any of it? No, um, so uh, I, I think I'd mentioned this to you on a uh, before a separate recording a few days ago. Uh, I, I woke up and I, I'm pretty sure it was over at that point. If not, it was coming close to being over. And the first thing I did is I checked my phone. I'm like, hmm, no messages from Ben and Jared, group chat. I'm going to guess this didn't go well. And then I bothered to check the score and I saw I was right. Uh, <laughs> it, it's unfortunate because I, 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 I feel like Again, it's just sort of like with England in the final. It's like, even if you're clearly being outplayed, but there's, is, oh, there's still a chance there. It's a lot more exciting. I, I I only saw highlights afterwards. I didn't watch anything of the game. But, I mean, I'm sort of the mentality, like, playing for third place, that's when everything is on the line. Yeah. Because it's go big or go home. And I think the great thing, at least this time with Australia, is that you've never even been fourth place before, you know? So, the fact that you got to play there is something because I, I I remember back in Rio when uh, the the women the Canadian women made that bronze medal game like of course they were thinking like oh we really should have been playing for the gold but 
there's just that much extra pressure. And I don't know if all that translates in the field. One of the interesting things I saw after the, the quarterfinal was a lot of the interviews and it, you're going to expect it after, you know, a crushing disappointment that, that nobody really wants to be on camera. Nobody really wants to talk, but I mean, the, the interviews are trying to get uh, answers out of the Australian team and coach, you know, Oh, so, you know, are there, are there thoughts about the the third place, the third, fourth, fourth place game? And they just didn't want to have anything. The only time anybody even perked up was when they're like, oh, would you have anything you want to say to the fans? Yeah, yeah, the fans all really turned out. But I, I don't know whether there was even that that ambition at that point. Like, we really got to play for third or if it, it is you're going in expecting you're going to be disappointed. I think this is where the World Cup differs from the Olympics in that a third-place player for the World Cup, for most people, really doesn't matter. Um, ultimately, yeah, you do get a medal. Um, you know, you do get a stylized bronze medal and you can always say we finished third at the world cup. Sure. But like, honestly, there's not much of a third, fourth, you know, whatever. Whereas an Olympics, it's different because obviously, you know, an Olympic medal is a bit more meaningful. So I think that like, I, I don't know about you, Jared, but I feel there was probably more disappointment from us not getting the bronze in Tokyo. Uh, when we lost to the US in that bronze medal game than this because, I mean, that was a much better game. It was a 4-3. We came right back at the death and sort of, you know, tried to push that into extra time. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I felt like once that penalty went in, it, there wasn't even a fight back. Like, I don't know. I just, it seemed like just a level of, eh, whatever. We've got Nikki Webster tomorrow. Like, I mean, we're fine. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I just felt like there was never any desire for us to finish third, whereas the Olympics, it was a bit different. I feel like the expectations are probably different i th- i think at the olympics maybe i think you're right like the team wanted to to win more than they did here but i think here the fans are more a lot more invested than i think we were for the olympics i think for like the general viewer like us losing to the us was kind of expected and and it was what it was whereas i felt here we had all this hype and build up to the semi-final and then the deflation of, of losing that to then hype back up again. I'm like, Oh, we've still got a chance. Like let's end on a high. I feel like there was a lot of fan expectation. Um, but I don't know. I don't, and I don't know if it wasn't just the commitment was there or the fitness or, but it, it did feel like the game was never really in our scope of winning. Flashback 20 years ago to when Canada also in a third place playoff finished fourth. Also that time they lost to the U S at a, Home US. I mean, 25,000 people for that game. And then for the final that year, only 26,000 people went to the final in the USA. <laughs> and this is coming four years after they got 90,000 people for a, a Women's World Cup final, which is still the, uh, the the record. But who scored Canada's only goal back in 2003? Colin Hilding in the third place playoff? Christine Sinclair. Christine Sinclair. <laughs> Christine Sinclair. There you go. 20 years ago, she was... Has she announced... Like, I haven't seen any news yet. I know she was questioned after the game about uh, going towards Paris next year. And she sort of didn't give a yay or nay because a lot of talk was around the Melbourne rectangular stadium, as we call it in Australia, Amy Park. That was kind of the career ender because we saw that was where Brazil got eliminated. Bye-bye, Marta. That was where the USA got eliminated. Bye-bye, Megan Rapinoe. So therefore, that's where Canada got eliminated. So has that ended Christine Sinclair's career? Whereas unlike uh, Rapinoe and Marta, they've both announced their retirement. I, I didn't know if Sinclair had formally announced it or is it still sort of up in the air? I think it's up in the air. Um, all the talk coming into this has been, well, all the talk going from into Tokyo was that it's probably going to be her last Olympics. And the talk for this is like, oh, this is definitely going to be her last World Cup. 
uh, which I think a lot of people interpret it as she's not going to the Olympics next year, but they played her very differently this time. Like this is the the first time she hasn't started in a world cup in like over 20 years, I think 1999 or something. Uh, and I think it's a strategy that maybe they're, they're gearing towards her being more of a field leader and not necessarily being on the field the whole time. Like she would sit out the first half and then, you know, start in the second. Uh, but uh, if I had to venture a guess, I'm going to say she's going to be there because I-, I felt like even just in the interviews I watched with her, she just wants that. She wants something to go out on where she could be proud of it. <laughs> I'm not going to say don't be proud of the World Cup no matter what you do. But for somebody who basically built soccer in Canada, uh, she's a name that like will, will likely never be topped. And I think that even if she doesn't win in the Olympics, the Olympics is probably just a bigger stage to go out on. When I think also the difference of an Olympics is, is it's a pretty quick turnaround, obviously, in terms of qualification. Uh, I mean, Canada will play Jamaica, I believe, in September in a two-leg playoff to qualify for the Olympics. Um, and Australia, we've got a qualification here and also September, October. And obviously the difference, you know, while women's Olympic football, you can have your full-strength team like you can in the World Cup, unlike the men, the difference is that obviously it's I think half the teams in a in a Olympics and it's a lot more of an open, I guess, qualifying system. Whereas the Olympics only allow I think like three European teams versus like you know what thirteen European teams. So realistically, at the Olympics next year, you know France are going to be there obviously as hosts. England can't play as England as we saw. You know they generally have to combine everyone because England don't represent themselves at the Olympics. It's got to be Great Britain. So realistically, Spain, Germany, like these big wigs, you know, one of them aren't going to be there. <laughs> um, so, you know, we might not have England or Spain at the Olympics next year, which is crazy to think. I, I think another thing will come down to the team because Christine Sinclair very much about, you know, not what she wants to do as a player, but what she wants to do for the team. She kind of yeah. always has been like that. That's she became at least here in Canada, became famous for how she was a representative, not just for the the women's soccer team, but for like Canada as a whole, the Canadian Olympic team. And Coming into this World Cup, I mean, we had so many injuries. We had so many of our top players out, several that retired, you know, in the last couple of years that uh, I, I think that a lot of it will come down to who else we're going to have back from that. We're going to have a team strong enough that they could actually be competitive in the Olympics. And if we're not, I think she'd probably be the type who is just going to step up and say, well, we got to have somebody there. So it'll be me. She, If not, she can just be, um, you know, 2027 mascot. She can dress up as um, <laughs> next Tazuni. Um, which uh, next to Zuni Sinclair Sinclair. Can I just ask like, um, you know, this may be more of a men's world cup question, but also it can be related to the 2027 women's world cup. If it's us and Mexico, we obviously had to uh, a penguin that is both New Zealand and Australian. What is there an animal in North America that covers all three mainland continent uh, countries? Like, is there a Canadian slash American slash Mexican animal? that covers all three? I mean, what well, I was thinking just Canada and US, it would be probably a deer. Uh, but I don't know, are there are deers prominent armadillo? in Mexico? I don't know. Do you get armadillos in Canada? Like Not you, up here, no. Uh, you could have a deer armadillo hybrid. The mosquito, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Mozzie the mosquito. <laughs> there he is, you're swatting him away like a goalkeeper. There you go. We've got another 250 bucks. We've got more mascots. Shout. <laughs> I mean, I think just go the easy route. Just have a what is it? 
Like, you know, oh, what's it? <laughs> just create Jared, any ideas for a, you know, I know this is men's world cup territory, but I mean, you know, again, we can equate it to the women's world cup if it's in two countries in 2027 as well. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you can have yeah. a gun. But tumbleweed. A gun. Tumbleweed. Yeah. Gun only covers Mexico and America. That doesn't really cover Canada. Um, a friendly gun that says, sorry. <laughs> Um, that covers Canada. Put a put a mounty hat on it. And instead of going bang, it goes A. Hey, hey, sorry, A. Hey. Um yeah, I don't think we'd get away. We nailed with it. it. We, we we nailed it. Um a couple of things before we get to our predictions and just uh general thoughts overall. Um I didn't see a whole lot of I, I sort of look when it's like the BBC and that kind of see the reaction there. I don't know if Either of you saw much news around England's reaction? I mean, the backlash around England was that bloody uh, Prince William was lazy and didn't come out here. Uh, to you know, and he's apparently the president of their football association as well. So lazy. Didn't he used to play too. Did he? I don't know. He was. Oh, well, in... growing up, yeah, there was. He, he oh, was English. Really... Everyone played. That's like saying, like, oh, you're a Canadian, didn't you play hockey? Like, aren't you born <laughs> like Australian? Didn't you swim? Yes, like you know, that's what we do. But maybe more so than Harry. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, Harry was just drunk all the time, wasn't he? Um, but yeah, I mean, the queen of Spain can show up lazy. Why wasn't Charles there? Lazy. Come on. They said if it was a men's world cup, probably, uh, would have, would have shown up there as well. Sent Andrew. <laughs> you see the bad one? That's Edward. No, Edward's a good one. Andrew's a bad one. Who's the one who we're not allowed oh. to talk about anymore? Andrew. Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> that name hasn't been said since 1997. Um, now Edward's a good one that everyone forgets about. Yeah, everybody forgets that word. And Andrew is the one that we're not allowed to talk about, who killed Epstein. No, he didn't kill him. No, he uh, he was involved with... <laughs> whoa, whoa. Hang on, hang on. Exclusive. <laughs> we were... <laughs> they would have sent him. They're just afraid he was going to kill a random Australian. <laughs> this has been the last episode of Off the Podium. Uh, if I go missing accidentally, um, we know what I don't. It was Andrew who stuff. did it. <laughs> it was... <laughs> not Edward. Edward didn't do it. No, anything. Edward would never Couldn't do that. be Andrew. He doesn't swear. <laughs> Edward swears like a sailor. That's why everyone likes him. He's a, he's a, he's a nice guy. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. England lost. Ha ha. Get over it. I mean, do we care that England lost? That's I, all. I don't know if we touch much on England losing. I mean, it's just, I like, I don't know, Jared, like, you've probably got different opinions on England than I do, but I mean, it's just, everyone bagged out like the US for losing. Oh, they're so cocky. They're so cocky and blah, blah, blah. I, like, I want to be that way with England. It's like, ah, it's not coming home. Get over it. I mean, the great meme I, I saw today was like the meme from Mean Girls. And it's like, it's not coming home. Stop trying to make it's coming home a thing. Um, but Jared, England losing. Can we just laugh about it? Oh, you're allowed. You're Australian. That's that's a national pastime. So um, I think you get a free pass. Yeah. They put us on boats and shoved us here as slaves. Well, not slaves. Uh, convicts. Um, wrong boats, Ben. I'm just, <laughs> this is really the last episode of Off the Podium. <laughs> so we've got grudges to hold, and they eliminated us too. Um, Colin, I know I don't think the Canadians hate the English as much as Australians do. I mean, you, you've got like half grudges against the English and the French, right? Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know. I, I think that I, at least this is from my side. I I feel for them a little bit more because at this point it. It's very similar to like going into Salt Lake City for the the men's hockey and how long had it been since we actually won and and what a big deal that was. So I mean, I want them to get there. I, I I'm not gonna say that I, I made my prediction of Spain. I think I was probably rooting for Spain a little bit more than I was rooting for England. But had I woke up and it was England who was one up on Spain, I mean, I would have been just as excited for them. I just I I, I 
full circle in life. You know, I was cheering for France in this World Cup in a couple of games. You know, a decade ago, if you had said, Ben, you'd be cheering for Spain in a game, I would have just, like, I would have shaken you silly. I would have Prince Andrewed you. Like, I just, I just, I would not have believed you. So, obviously, in 10 years, I'm going to be rooting for England, clearly, at this point, the way that this trajectory goes around. But, um... It was just a lesser of two evils last time. Plus, they played some great Spanish music when they won. I think I shazammed about 20. Like, Jared, you were saying they were playing Eurovision on the coverage, were they? Oh, so many hits. Like, what did we get for, for the third place playoff? They were playing Heroes by Mons. Ooh. And then after the World Cup, there weren't Eurovision entries, but entries from the Spanish national final. Mm. Um, so just just quality music choices i did i did love that um they played uh they started playing maria by ricky martin which everybody remembers that song was like just before he hit it big with cup of life like in the english speaking world he had that maria and then like i think the ground announcer woman was like oh and here's a classic spanish hit which i don't know if we've heard of i'm not heard what is this and it's like and then they started playing live in la vida loca and it's like, well, I get it. It's kind of like Latin, but it's like it's Puerto Rican. It's not actually Spanish, <laughs> which is like, okay, sure. Um, opening, a uh, closing ceremony. Now, I've, uh, the World Cup and opening and closing ceremony is not really a thing, right? They just kind of do mini little ones, right? But you still sort of see highlights. I mean, famously, USA 94, you had Diana Ross kicking a very bad penalty that missed. Um, and then, But generally what they do is they will get the official song to like, close the opening the final, right? I remember back when, like, Will Smith did that song in Russia. He came out and sang. I think Ricky Martin did in France, 98. Then they got Robbie Williams to close one of the... I don't know if that was in guitar last year or the one four years but They generally get, like, a bit of, you know, pump and pageantry and all that kind of stuff. Last night, I read that we were going to get, like, fucking Delta Goodrum, Jessica Malboy, Bernard Fanning. I, I read the list. It lied to me. We had Tones and I. Now, I don't, I don't dislike Tones and I. She's fine. Uh, that... Dance Monkey Song or whatever it's called, it's fine. And she was okay last night. She wasn't terrible. But, like, where is Mallrat and Benny? Like, seriously, this is the official World Cup song. I heard it played for, like, 30 seconds in one stadium in the 11 games I went to. The official World Cup song. And you get, like, if you can afford Tones and I, you can afford Mallrat and Benny. I think, do we need Jared to send out a search party for Morat and Benny? Like, these two should be made it after this tournament. We are the singers of the official World Cup song, and they're nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen, Jared. Where are Morat and Benny? Probably practicing for the for the Rugby World Cup, right? And the Cricket <laughs> World Cup. They've got uh they're working hard in the studio. Um I think the organizers were like, this song's not a hit. Let's let's just try to bury it quietly. I just I don't get you commission an official World Cup song. Again, we bemoaned last year. Well, let's be honest. I bemoaned last year that we didn't have one official song for the Men's World Cup. Like, what? Like, do we need to pay FIFA more money? Like, I mean, yeah. I don't get it. Like, it's just, I still don't know who Morat and Benny are, but I want to now because they had an official World Cup song. Colin, do you, are they in Canada? Like, I don't know. I'm... I'm- Completely at a loss. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know who these people are, and I haven't heard any of the songs. But this is the thing: nobody does, and they have the official World Cup song, and it's not. It's can, you, can we just write one now? What? Uh, write a song? 
They did. Yeah. It's a song that's been played. We played I'm it. I'm saying, can we outro. write it? Can we write it? Because obviously we're getting some people watching our reels and, and I'm sure the TikTok's doing okay now. <laughs> we write a song right now. We can get some traction and then we can convince people it's the official song. Kick the ball and score a goal. It's the World Cup. Yeah. There we go. Done. Um, <laughs> Jared, your verse. <laughs> No, you put him on the spot. Jared, Jared needs time. He's a professional. <laughs> well, he's a professional of this podcast, um, Colin. But I mean, speaking of finding obscure singers, this is going to go straight over Colin's head. He had no idea when I sent this clip yesterday who the hell it was. Nikki fucking <laughs> Webster. Jared, who cares about the Matildas winning quarterfinals and finishing fourth and 11 million viewers around Australia? Nikki Webster surprised him on stage in Brisbane as they got the kid. I'm sorry. Give me the key to the city or a Nikki Webster performance of Strawberry Kisses right in front of me. I'm taking Nikki Webster, Jared. That was the best moment of the World Cup for me. Oh, 100%. I don't, why, why was she not at the final? That was their chance. Exactly. Stadium she Australia is a home. Come on. She would have done it for the exposure for a dance studio. She needs some more students. Get them in there. Advertise. Got to say, dear old Nikki, she still got it. Like, don't, you know, you see all these other singers who are old and ragged. Don't say Madonna. Uh, are they like, you know, they, they sometimes struggle. Nikki's not old and ragged by all means. I think she's younger than you and I, Jared, but like she came out, she killed it. She absolutely, and I, I don't think I saw Sam Kerr as excited in that tournament when Nikki Webster was right in front of her. They were right on her face. She got a photo. She's like, fuck Nikki Webster. She scored the goal of the tournament in front of our very eyes at Stadium Australia. But when Nikki Webster came out, her eyes lit up. That, that best moment of the World Cup for me, Jared. A hundred percent. Absolutely amazing. Colin, you have no idea what we're talking about, but let's have a clue. Let's refresh your memory when we eventually get to the Sydney 2000 opening ceremony in our opening ceremony series. The young girl that was born before our eyes singing, I was it underneath the southern sky or whatever it was. She came down on freaking ropes. Basically, the reason why every single opening ceremony now has a little child like, oh, look, it's a little child. It's because of us, because of Nikki fucking Webster. She was what, like 11, 12, 13 in Sydney 2000. She went oh. on to release one song called Strawberry Kisses a year later, which everybody hated at the time, but now everybody loves it. She is an icon. She's a pop princess in Australia who had one hit. She had another. She had, remember that Devilicious song she released about seven years after? That wasn't too bad, that song. Nikki Webster for Eurovision I next year, Jared. Oh, I mean, if we're even in it, but let's not start that topic. Yeah, true. <laughs> when I heard you say literally born in front of ours, I, I'm like, where did I miss somebody actually <laughs> getting born on air? Push, push. <laughs> now that's something for the opening ceremonies. Forget these treadmills. Let's go. Let's get a live birth on the air in front of the world. And that will be a, some opening ceremonies. Nobody will ever forget. That'll top Lillehammer going down a hill, going off a ski jump. The equivalent of this moment for Nikki Webster being on stage yesterday for the Matildas is in what, like 23 years time when Japan finished fourth at that world cup and they have a key to the city in Tokyo, a treadmill comes out onto the stadium, the stage. And it's like, here is the treadmill from Tokyo. And it's like, yay, treadmill. Uh, that is what a, what a bigger deal that was. So Nikki Webster, you, you, and the, the reasoning behind that, by the way, was because apparently the Matildas had their anthem whenever they would travel to games, they listened to Strawberry Kisses. That was like their team anthem that they had during this tournament. So we have Nikki Webster to thank for the Matildas performance at this World Cup. That's, that's, I, I, I'm honored that that was a thing, basically. Um, uh, the Golden Boot winner, uh, Hanata Mayazawa of Japan. Um, she out in the quarterfinals still got the uh, the most goals there. I do also love how Alexandra Pop from Germany 
out in the group stage, still got the bronze boot. Um, so there you go. The golden ball went to Aitana Bonmati of Spain. The young player, Salma Paralelo, who just killed it. The golden gloves are the best goalie of the tournament. Mary Earps of England. Mackenzie Arnold, robbed. Right, Jared? No, 100%. Yeah. And the fair play award went to Japan. Japan win everything. Japan robbed. Japan. <laughs> we all know. We all, everybody in any punditry role has said that the one country that is the most miffed of this World Cup is Japan. They beat Spain 4 nothing in the group stage. <laughs> and then they go out to uh, to Sweden in the quarterfinals. Um, predictions, though, gentlemen. Uh, we know who won. Jared won. Uh, <laughs> we knew that last time. Jared ended up with 26. Colin, you ended up with 20. I ended up with 17. Now, looking at our men's predictions, uh, yeah, Jared, you you beat yourself in the men's as well. You got 22 in the men's. Colin, 20. I got last in both. I'm the one who pays the most attention to this. I work why for are a you, soccer... Why are you sound surprised? Well, I won Eurovision this year. That's one that Jared really wanted, so I'll take that one. <laughs> but for uh, the final sake, uh, so Colin and I both predicted Spain would win that third place, uh, the final, sorry, and that uh, Jared predicted Sweden would win the third place. And just to go over our initial predictions of the final, again, none of us got remotely close. Uh, I said Germany would beat the USA in the final. Colin said USA would beat Germany in the final. And Jared (laughs) said Netherlands would beat Australia. I mean, I guess Jared kind of got close. At least he's teams made it to the quarters and beyond. one team and uh, initially uh jared you actually accurately predicted sweden third from the get-go you said sweden would beat brazil initially in your third place playoff colin you said brazil would beat sweden so you at least got sweden in there and i as i said the other day um i said an australia australia sweden third place playoff but i got it around the wrong way i initially said australia would win that um any final words thoughts Anything, I mean, we, we can't even say where the next World Cup is because, again, as I've said, there is no... If it is, it's This is one strange thing that I don't get with FIFA. As much as we maybe want to question the IOC right now about no 2030 Winter Olympics host and there's rumours abound that that might even be delayed even further the next year, which is crazy to think. But FIFA have a weird thing with the Women's World Cup that apparently this isn't going to be announced until next year, giving a country only three years to prepare for it. I guess Australia and New Zealand only had three years to prepare for it. But right now it looks as though... Uh, Mexico and the US have bid for it. Belgium, Germany, and the Netherlands combined are bidding for it. South Africa, as well as Brazil. So, um, I mean, if Mexico and the USA get it, USA are having a three bloody busy years with the Men's World Cup, the Women's World Cup, and the Olympics all within three years uh, between 2026 and 2028. Why is Canada left out? I think because you had the Women's World Cup uh, 2015, maybe. I don't know. It's, 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 I mean, they're going to have the men's. Yeah, I don't know. It's you guys are poor. Like I don't know. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think the combined bids are the ones that pretty much have the advantage now? Because I would also think with this being announced after the success of 2023, that it's it's only maybe yeah, maybe it'll make it more competitive. Maybe it'll make it less it's, competitive. Maybe there's gonna be countries who are like, oh, you know, we don't have this in us because look at how big it's gone. Well, I think just with the 32 nation format, I think what we're seeing now is that. I mean, obviously, with the men's side of things, it's pretty much going to be the way of the future, I think, with combined bids now with the 48-team format. I mean, as we've said, Australia look like we will bid possibly for the 2034 Men's World Cup, but we're not going to be able to host it by ourselves. It's probably going to have to be with, like, New Zealand and Indonesia or, like, Indonesia and Thailand is a rumour or Malaysia. So, um, you know, there's that. So, yeah, the women's probably tracking on the same same level. Um, but it's, it's weird. It's such, a, it's such a turnaround that FIFA have done. I mean, the 2002 Men's World Cup was Japan-Korea. 
That was the first time it had ever been co-hosted. And back then, it was kind of frowned upon. As soon as they'd done that, they were like, oh, no, this is too much of a logistical issue. We're not going to do co-hosts anymore, so we're just going to go back to a single country format. But now we're seeing it's different. And even in the Olympics, obviously, we're kind of seeing that, particularly in a couple of years' time when we've got Milan Cortina. So, um, yeah, and Switzerland apparently are throwing their hat in the ring now for a countrywide Olympics for 2030 for the Winter Olympics. So, um, whew, get excited for that, a Swiss Olympics. Oh, wow. I'm excited already. Um, final thoughts, though, gentlemen. Uh, Jared, I'll start with you. You're obviously lucky enough to be here, witness it. We talked a lot about that last week. You went to a game. Your final take on this and um, briefly covering it that we have in at least the last couple of weeks? I think it's just been so much fun. I'm, I suppose, excited to see where women's soccer is going to go in the country. I think kind of one of the things, the takeaways, I suppose, comes down back to like the the women's A-League and hopefully kind of getting those crowds there and hopefully next time the World Cup rolls around, we have more representatives from the women's A-League playing in the World Cup team. Um, but obviously it's going to be huge for players like Claire Hunt and, and Courtney Vine. Uh, their backing here domestically in, in that league is going to be huge. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm just excited for, for women's sport in general just to see kind of the buzz and, and the fact that I think Australia is really ready to to get on board and, and support women's sport just the same way that they do men's. And just a reminder, if you are under 16 years of age and listening to us in Australia and wish to go to the Liberty A-League for free, head to keepup.com.au forward slash liberty-a-league-pass and you can sign up and you can get free tickets to the Liberty A-League. Yes, Colin? Remember the, the, the orders of the authorities. You're not allowed to offer any type of bribery on the air to those under 16 uh, I think you just violated a court order right now. I, I, I'm doing it for work purposes, Colin. I think it's allowed. Oh, uh, for work. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the company that employs me. Um, that's for that there yeah, they, as well. They, they, didn't, they didn't do a very thorough background check. Can we check. move on to your this thoughts the on job the World Cup, you. Colin? Uh, <laughs> what do you think of the World Cup, Colin? I really hope they don't listen to this. This is a very bad joke if they're tuning in right now thinking, did we do a background check of this guy? It's a joke that has stuck for like six years. Ah, being is a pedophile. It? Is it a joke? I know, ask Noah when I messaged him when he was 16. <laughs> hey, you want to work for me? Um, I, I mean, it, it was exciting. I I, I think the, the, the start times of the games, I wish they'd been even just an hour later. Um, I'll get over but, it. We're going to put up with that with your crap when it's on your side of the world. Deal with it. Okay, so then I'll feel for you then. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I'm just looking for some sympathy, Ben. You want sympathy <laughs> between shit and syphilis in the dictionary. Uh, I'm going to have to look that up to see if it's true. At the, uh, I stole that from a comedian. It's all right. You're welcome. Danny boy, I'll, I'll, I'll cliff note you in my uh, references after this episode. Uh, but uh, it, I think you look for some upsets. There were definitely plenty of upsets early on. There was some underdog team, Australia kind of, you know, came through as uh, being a team to root for uh, during the later rounds. Uh, and overall, just seeing, I think, more than anything, the, the crowd reactions. Because sometimes watching TV, I mean, you know, you might get a, a couple of aerial shots. But even if these aren't sellouts, like to me, the, the, the crowd reactions, the noise level made it feel like it was a sellout every single time. And obviously, there probably were some sellouts or at least very close to nice it. So, life, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think in comparison to even when I was watching, you know, the 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 Canada one from a couple of years ago, like it just feels like a different game now. And uh, I, I'm, it makes me even more excited going into 2027, uh, maybe taking a flight down to somewhere in the States 
uh, if they'll allow me to, uh, to uh, watch some of the games because uh, you know, it, it's on level now. And I had that same thought after watching the Men's World Cup. I'm like, yeah, you know, Winnipeg's probably not going to get a game here, but like, I'd like to actually go to one of these. Well, and going to ask you that. Consolation is the Women's World Cup. I mean, it, it's at the same level, I feel. And it, I think it'll just be just as exciting going forward. I was going to ask you that. I mean, I don't know if we, if we did touch on it last year. I don't really remember it. But I mean, no, the, the obviously the Men's World Cup, they're only going to be in Toronto and Vancouver. But it, does it tempt you? Like this sort of covering two soccer yeah. World Cups now that you might look ahead to 2026 to go to a game in Vancouver or Toronto? Because I was kicking myself back in 2015 that I didn't get to see any. I'm, I'm, I would say I was kicking Jamie, but I wasn't. Oh, uh, careful. <laughs> I'm going to get thrown under the bus here. I have been throwing it up at Ben. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I, I will never let her live that down, that she probably chose to go see some Keanu Reeves movie over Australia and Nigeria back in 2015. But uh, I, I'd totally be up for, you know, fly out for a day and just catch one game just to say I did it. We'll go to a game together, Colin. I've been one with Jared now, so I know what he's like. But, yeah, you, uh, I'll go to one. If you me. hop in a canoe now, you'll be here in 26 I days. I will. I will. But it's been it's been a lot of fun, and I actually just it's such an enjoyable experience. I think that you know I, I didn't know what to expect from a women's World Cup. I've never been to a men's World Cup. I've I've been to a World Cup qualifier. Uh, Jared and I went to a, a Matildas game earlier this year, and then I went to a Socceroos game earlier this year. That obviously just when it's kind of like a friendly or a World Cup qualifier, it's just organized by that nation. It's, you know, you've got your different levels of, of pomp and pageantry and the style of a game, you know, and I, and I work for a, a soccer organization, which I know kind of the vibe you put in the game, but I just got a sense that you walked into those stadiums, you the buzz around the, the, the venues and everything. It just, it felt different. It reminded me of the Commonwealth Games in 2018. There's just a vibe around a major event like that in a city where you feel it. And I think I've only ever felt that through a Commonwealth Games and a Women's World Cup. I've been to Cricket World Cup matches. I've been to Rugby World Cup matches. And they just didn't have the same vibe to them. So um, I think that, yeah, makes me very excited for the Olympics next year as well. Speaking of which, that's our bread and butter. Uh, so next week, uh, we will be back to interviews. We've got a couple of interviews in the coming weeks, which I'm very, very excited for. Next week, we are speaking to an American shooter, Alison Wise. Now, she competed in Tokyo, but she's actually a world champion in uh, Air Pistol. She won that in the last uh, 12 or so months. So she's actually going to be going into Paris next year as one of the favorites for the gold. And it was a great chat with Ali around her career and everything to do with that. So that will be next week. And in the coming weeks after that, we're going to be getting back to uh, the great sport of mogul skiing, which Colin wasn't involved in this one again as well. <laughs> Maddie, oh. Maddie Himbury, uh, Pyeongchang Olympian from Australian. We're talking to her on that. And then also through uh, some other great interviews, uh, next month is the 30th anniversary of Sydney winning the Olympics. So basically... In September, it will be 30 years to the day on the 21st, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head, or the 22nd, one of those days, I'm very smart with this, that Sydney was announced. The winner is Sydney, as His Excellency Juan Antonio Samaranch did that. So we've got a couple of interviews. We've got uh, a guy who basically was in control of the Sydney Olympic bid to talk about that. And we've got a guy who's very, very big and famous, not only in the Sydney Olympic bid, but he's very heavily involved in Olympic ceremonies around the world, and he's been involved in multiple. Rick Birch, who basically was the guy who created... He 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 birthed Nicky Webster, Jared. Like, I get to talk to him about Nicky Webster. <laughs> he also was the man behind the LA opening ceremony in 84, the Turin opening ceremony. He was involved in the Beijing opening ceremony. 
He has put his fingers in many pies in the opening ceremony. So we'll be talking to him about Sydney. And Bob Elfenstein, by the way, is the uh, gentleman's name we'll be talking to about the Sydney Olympic bid. And then outside of that, we'll be back together in about a month or so to talk about the Calgary opening ceremony. We're continuing that one. We've got a massive, massive interview coming your way after that, which, again, we've spoiled a little bit around uh, more of a, a personality outside of his Olympic career, but a big Eurovision connection too, which Jared is excited for. And then our next big major sport coverage, though, we're actually now, what, a month and a half away? Two months away from uh, the Pan Ams, Colin. And again, yeah. Colin gets the steering wheel. He gets to control it. He gets to be me for a couple of weeks on that one, which, again, Jared and I have no clue if we're still going to be watching this. We say this every time we're talking about it. Is is the vibes, how are the vibes getting around Santiago? Are people getting excited for the Pan Ams in Canada at the moment? Uh, I mean, it's getting a little bit of coverage. Uh, I think it... it going to get a lot more because this is going to be like the official start to the lead up to uh the olympics next year um i mean if nothing else if you guys can't watch it i know that uh our good friend rocky caught some of the pan am games four years ago and messed me about it maybe we could actually get rocky on the show for the first time what he's going to talk get, about get a four years ago person. he already thought about four years ago no, I'm, like, this, I'm sure he'll i'm i'm assuming he's watching it this time <laughs> this summer mcintosh is pretty good she might go on to do some things so just keep an eye on her uh, wow, she might do all right. Um, yeah, maybe we get the American perspective on to kind of talk about that. Before I go to, just speaking of our opening ceremony sort of uh, coverage, which we're doing sort of flashbacks as in Calgary, we'll do our sort of recap with that one. We did Lillehammer a couple of months ago, and I wanted to read out a message. You two aren't even aware that we got this message. I saved this until we're on air. We actually got a message sent to us. from. And I'm, I apologize now, right now, if I'm mispronouncing your name. Jan Rune Holdas. Now... Jan, I'm, I'm going to guess that's how you say your name, said, Hi, I listened to the podcast about the opening ceremony in Lillehammer and enjoyed it very much. I have all the information you need about the opening and closing ceremony if you guys are interested. I am Norwegian. Just let me know if you need information about the closing ceremony for your next podcast. Have a nice day. Jan Rune. Uh, I'm saying right now, Jan, I would love to know the information because I feel yeah. we had information, but as a Norwegian, if you have information, I feel like we're obliged to accept it. So, um, please, Jan, if you're listening to this, I would love to know, were you there? Were you one of the children with the old people as they were reading the stories? Like, if you That's are. That's the first thought I had. Like, were you, like, uh, maybe you're one of the mole people that came up through the ground. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm so intrigued now about this, Jan. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Do we just not want to watch Lillehammer again right now? Maybe we'll spot them. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to move on to closing ceremonies eventually. With the crow people and the, the, the you know, the, the scary bits in there as well. So um, there you go. Uh, so thank you, Vian. If anybody else wants to message us with anything as well, uh, if you were in the Calgary opening ceremony, get ahead of the game. Uh, you, know, it's a, you were Heidi or Howdy. Let yeah. us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you think they would have snobbed us, Jared, if we were around the, uh, you know, for a selfie? Heidi and Howdy, multiple laps. Yeah. And if they snubbed you, they would apologize and that, come to your house. <laughs> <laughs> they would have gone on CBC that night and be like, oh, eh, we're sorry that we snubbed you, Canada. We're so sorry. We'll be make it up for you next week, eh? Uh, Jared, thank you very much for the coverage and uh, joining us. And uh, you're free now from having to attend events for me, uh, I guess. And until are you going to the NRL grand final, uh, Penrith make it? Uh, you know, it's probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I paid fifty bucks. Wouldn't, wouldn't want to jinx it. I mean, oh, me and going to live sporting events, team that I'm going for tends to lose. Yeah, I knew you were going uh, for Spain. We started that trend now. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Nah, it was good, and I'm glad too that we've um, I suppose we've got past that quarterfinal hurdle yep. at a World Cup. So um, 
Looking forward to the next one. Let's right now, forward predictions. I know Canada and Australia haven't qualified for the women's football tournament next year, but realistically we should. I think we've only got to beat like Iraq or something like that in the next month or so. Sorry if they're going to like beat us hard. But uh, I mean, two consecutive fourth place finishes for the Matildas. Are we going there? Are we getting that, getting a medal next year in Paris? <laughs> I think it's a, it's a fourth place again. I could, I've got that feeling. Okay. But I'll take it. All right. Colin, thank you. And I'll lump this question into your closing as well. Reigning gold medalist. You won three consecutive Olympic medals, two bronzes and a gold. Time for a silver, do you think? Canada needs to uh, oh. complete the collection. <laughs> I think that's what every player on the team's hoping for, that they could go in and lose in the gold medal game. Uh, <laughs> it would be nice on the wall. It would have, be have a good visual. But uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I want to be optimistic. I'll say a medal, but no color determination. Okay. You, you don't see color? I don't see color. No. Um, this is going to be the monochrome medal. It's going to be new, introduced in Paris. It's it's the equal medal. It doesn't matter what color. <laughs> every, every, everything's the same. Look at their faces. They're all the They're same. All the same. <laughs> Volcano reference on uh, off the podium. It only took 325 episodes. There we go. Ticket off the list. Colin, thank you very much for uh, joining us. We appreciate your insight. Uh, you're perfectly welcome. And Ben's background check came up clear for this show as well. So if his bosses are listening, he's okay. Colin, we've only got one Norwegian listener. My bosses aren't listening to this show. Um, <laughs> but thank you, Jan, for listening. I'm really excited. We've reached the Norway market. When Ben loses his job, Jan, you can offer him something in I, Norway. Yeah, exactly. When I lose my job, I, like, do you live in Lillehammer? Do you have a room free? Like, I mean, I've never been to Norway before. Um, you know, I can give the wolf a banana. Jared, come on! Hundred percent. That's what you do. Oh, come on, Noy, pick up your game, win Eurovision next year, yes. and then twenty twenty-five in Oslo. Yes, and we can combine like everything there. Like, oh god, the, the stars are aligning for off the podium. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Like, subscribe, do all the regular things. We appreciate all your support and uh, everything uh, along those lines. Great content coming your way. We're very excited to bring it to you. Remember to put a sock in it, Mountain. Go left, Jason Momoa all the the things and I'm just going to end this by saying where's Mulrat and Benny and good night this is the start